We're here to answer the most important question in life. Can the Bears go 4-0? <laughs> We're here to answer the most important question in life. What on earth am I here for? And it's more than football, and few people really know what it is. That was an adaptation from Ecclesiastes, if you didn't recognize what we just did there dramatically. We, we try to find, figure out what our, our purpose in life is for. The video was awesome. Casey did a great job with that, didn't he? I mean, that was, I can't believe Santa Claus didn't know his purpose, though. That was a little unnerving to me. But I'm pretty sure it does have something to do with quarks. I'm going to work that in somehow along the way. Maybe you don't know what your purpose is today here too. Maybe you feel like the, the baby camel and the mama camel that were talking one day and the baby camel said, hey mom, how come we have these big three-toed webbed feet? And the mom said, well, it's so that when we're walking across the desert, we, we, can, we don't sink into the sand. We can walk on top of the sand. He said, well, why do we have these big long eyelashes? And she said, well, it's because when we're out in the desert, it'll keep the sand out of our eyes. And he said, well, how come we have these big humps on our back? And she said, well, it's so that when we're out in the desert, we can, we can have water stored in there and we can go for a long way without finding water. The little, little camel said, okay, so let me get this straight. The big feet are so we can walk on top of the sand. The eyelashes are to keep the sand out of our eyes. And the big humps are for storing water so that we can go across the desert. Mom said, yeah. The little, little camel said, so why are we in the zoo? Maybe that's your question, okay? Maybe you're like, at some point in life, you're figuring out that there's some, there's some stuff in your life that you don't get. You don't understand. What are these humps? What, why do I have these feet? What is this, what is this feeling that's inside of me? What, what is going on? What is the purpose of life? Maybe you're at that point today. If you're not, we're going to talk about it. If you are, we're going to talk about it. Um, it's a question that has three parts. Why am I here? Why am I alive? Is the first one. That's existence. The second one is the question of significance. Does my life matter? The third one is the question of intention. Does my life have purpose? They're not new questions. Again, you heard from, from Solomon, the wisest man in the world who was trying to figure out his purpose in Ecclesiastes. Jeremiah, one of God's prophets, said, Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow and end my life in disgrace? I want you to know that God put those in the Bible because he wants you to understand that it's okay if you're asking what the humps are for. It's okay if you're asking these questions. It's okay if you're trying to figure out what in the world am I here for? What on earth am I here for? But in the next 40 days, we're going to look at the overall purpose of, of human beings. We're not going to talk about your specific purpose because you are going to have to explore that yourself. But as human beings, what is our purpose? And honestly, the question starts with one basic premise. And you have to understand this. You can either start the question of your purpose with the existence of God or you can start your question of purpose without the existence of God. Okay, the last guy in the video was like, uh, who says there is a purpose? If there is no God, there may not be a purpose. But I want you to know that you're in a church, in case you wandered in here by mistake, you thought this was Walmart or something. It, it, you're in a church, and we believe in the existence of God, so I'm going to come from the premise of the existence of God. And if you do that, that changes everything. It changes everything about your purpose, about your significance, about everything in your life, if you understand that one basic thing. Now, I believe that it's so obvious that God is there that even the animals know there is a God, and I can prove it with this video. It's been sent to me so many times this week. If I don't use it, you're going to keep sending it to me. So here's the praying dog. Even the dogs know there's a God, okay? There, there are three parts to this question, what on earth am I here for, okay? The first one is the question of existence. Why are you alive? If you went into a bookstore and you said, hey, I'm trying to figure out why I'm here, why I'm alive, they would probably send you to one of three sections in the bookstore. The first section would be the New Age spirituality section. 
okay? Uh, that would be the mystical approach to trying to figure out the question of existence, okay? And if you, looked at the, if you looked at the books in the New Age spirituality section, they would tell you things like you need to look within to find your purpose, right? You need to look within. Oprah did a show on this several years ago, and the whole show was about, hey, we're going to help you find your purpose in life. And if you watched it, the whole show was about, you know, we're going to help you find the purpose. But then when they came on, it was all look within, look within, look within. And then when they go to commercial break, they say, come back because we're going to help you find your purpose in life. And then it would be look within, look within, look within. And if you got to the end of the show and the credits are rolling and Oprah leans over kind of behind the credits and says, remember, you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. Thanks, Oprah. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the mystical approach. I'm just going to look within. The, the other area that they might take you to, or the second area, would be the, the self-help area of, uh, you know, the, the self-help books, you know, and, and, and that might be harder to find. I went into the bookstore and asked the saleswoman where the self-help section was, and she said if she told me, it would defeat the purpose. I'll save you. Guys, some of you need a little more caffeine this morning. I'll save you a whole lot of money. The books in the self-help section are going to be really, really good. They're really helpful. They'll tell you things like, uh, you know what, aim high, dream big, surround yourself with good people, measure out your steps, dream, you know, never, never, never forgive up, and all those kinds of things. And, and those are good. Those books will help you figure out how to be successful. But I want to tell you something. You can be a raving success in life and still not know why God put you here on this earth. Some of you are feeling that. Because the purpose of your life is greater than your personal fulfillment, it's greater than your own happiness, it's greater than your own peace, it's greater than your own success. And deep down, everyone knows it. Thomas Carlyle says, a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. Okay? So if you wandered in here today and you're like a ship without a rudder and you're thinking, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm here for, this series is for you. I think it's great that the world is starting to figure out that it's not about us. Okay? I really think that's good. That's the first line of the book that you're going to read. This is based off a Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, uh, highest grossing net sales of any nonfiction book ever in history, uh, 40, almost 40 million copies sold. First line of the book is, it's not about you. Okay? That, that's where you've got to start. And I think it's, and the world is figuring that out. Did you know that, that like a bunch of billionaires went together and decided to give away half their fortunes? I mean, this just happened in the news a couple of weeks ago. I think it's like 40 billionaires like Gates and Buffett and, and a bunch of these big, big dudes with lots of money have decided that they're going to give half their fortunes away. I don't know how in the world they're going to live on $50 billion, you know, but they're going to give the other 50 away. And, and, and I think that's great. I think it's great that American Idol is giving back. I think it's great that celebrities are adopting kids. I think it's great that all these things are going on. But realizing that it's not about you is only half of the equation. Okay? That's only half of it. If it's not about me, then what is it about? The, the last section they might take you to is the philosophy section. You'd think, okay, well, if I still got to figure out what it's about, I'll go to philosophy. Dr. Hugh Moorhead, a professor at Northeastern Illinois University, wrote to 250 of the best philosophers in the country. And he asked them this question, what is your purpose in life? What is the purpose of life? It's a depressing book. Because out of the 250 philosophers, nobody came up with any good meaning or purpose for life. They were kind of like the people on the video. Quarks, I don't know, you know, I don't get it. Uh, some of them said, I just made mine up. Some of them said, I'm clueless. Some of them said, if you figure out what the purpose of life is, please tell me. All the best philosophers are really just guessing. Carl Jung, the famous psychiatrist, wrote back to Dr. Moorhead and said, I don't know the meaning and purpose of life, but it looks as if something were meant by it. 
Isaac Asimov, the famous science fiction writer, as far as I can see, there is no purpose to lie, like the guy in the video. Joseph Heller wrote, I have no answers to the meaning of life, and I no longer want to search for any. The philosophy section is not going to help you either. The self-help section is not going to help you. The New Age section is not going to help you because you know what? There's no way to know it apart from God. And a life without purpose isn't worth living. Here's the truth and nothing but the truth about your purpose. You can't figure out your purpose because you didn't create you. You can't figure out your purpose because you didn't create you. It's really that simple. Proverbs 16 says the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. It's not for your purpose, not for your pleasure, not for your goals or ambitions or dreams. It's great for you to go after those things. There's nothing wrong with it. But God has never made anything without a purpose. I still haven't figured out mosquitoes, but he'll tell us someday. Everything was made for a purpose. The truth is you were made for five purposes, and we're going to be talking about those over the next 40 days, and I hope that you'll be here. The very first week is you were made for worship, and we're going to have an unbelievable service. You're going to walk out shaking your head next week, I guarantee you. Things are going to happen that you won't believe next week in worship, and you're going to, you're going to want to be here. Today, I just want you to understand the motive behind it. Why did God create me for his purpose? And here's the answer. Long before, Ephesians 1, long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind. And he settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long before the foundations of the world were laid, God had us in mind and and we were the focus of his love. God says that I was created to be loved by God. Can you grab a hold of that for just a minute? Long before the world was created... God planned on me. Why? God doesn't need me. God wasn't lonely. Just God is love, and he decided he wanted to have some, he had so much love that he wanted to share it with some people, so he made me. Here's the answer to why you exist. When somebody asks you, why do you exist? You say, because God wanted to love me. Let me ask it to you. Why do you exist? Let me do it again. Why do you exist? Because God wanted to love me. That's the honest truth. That is the honest truth. I'm going to tell you that right now. And some of you are like, whoa. Because you never realized it before. You thought you were an accident. You thought you just happened to be here. I I don't know how you got to this point. But I want to assure you the reason that we're all here, the reason that I'm here, is because the message of your existence is about the fact that God created you because he loves you. It's easier to explain this to a parent. Because parents understand the irrational act of having children, right? My, uh, my baby's turning 18 today. I don't know where she's sitting. Uh, she's over there somewhere. Somebody spank her. She's 18 today. That's weirding me out. Do you understand that? Uh, my baby is 18. My oldest daughter is getting, is getting married. I mean, that's freaking me out. But if you think about all of the gray hair that my children have given me, it helps you to understand why. And, and, and the best person that ever said this was the famous theologian Bill Cosby. Listen to this. He is famous, anyway. And talking to audiences around the country, I've conducted my own Cosby poll asking parents, why did you have children when all your other acts were so rational? I've gotten answers that almost made sense because I wanted someone to carry on the family name, because I wanted a child to be a reflection of myself. I wanted someone to look after me in my old age. I wanted to hear sound around the house. But I don't care how bright people are. I have yet to receive a sound reason that would move a man to go, I'm sorry, I won't do that, that would move a man to go out into the street, find a girl, and say, I want to impregnate you so I can have one of these. Why would we do it? 
He said it's because a baby overwhelms us with love and lovableness. Even its smell stirs us more deeply than the spell of baking bread or even pine. What is overpowering is simply the fact that a baby is life. It's also a mess, but it's an appealing one so that we look past the mess to the jewel underneath. Yes, a baby is so powerfully appealing that people are even entertained watching it sleep. Just notice how grown people tiptoe by a crib and look down on a sleeping baby. Perhaps such a journey will finally answer the great question about why people have babies who will soon start saying, I don't know, and mine, 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 and walking around with their flies open. The reason the decision to have such a thing is made by the heart, not the brain. The reason you have kids, it's not here. It's not like, oh, I got $300,000 I don't have anything to do with. I think I'll have a child, you know? It's not, oh, I don't like sleep. It's not, oh, I don't like my marriage. It's not, it's, not, you know, it's, not, it's not a brain decision, is it? It's a heart decision. The reason that you exist was not a brain decision. God was going to have to look underneath the mess that you were going to create on his planet to the jewel that was underneath and he loved you, and that's why, he, that's why he made you. Think about how much your life has been changed by love. I've been married for 26 years to an unbelievable woman, and my life has been changed by her, by the love that I've gotten from her. But you know what? She's human. And believe it or not, she's imperfect. And if I can be loved by an imperfect human being for 26 years and have my life changed this much, imagine what my life could be like if I'm loved by God for eternity. A perfect, holy God. That should give my life meaning. That's why you're alive. Because he wanted you to be. Because he made a heart decision. The second greatest question of my life is the question of significance. Do I matter? Does my life matter? And that's the question we start asking from the very, very beginning. Matter of fact, psychologist Alfred Adler says, the desire for significance or recognition is the dominant desire in human nature. Right? It starts when your little kid is like two and they go, Daddy, look at me, Daddy, look at me, right? And it goes on in all of us. I mean, don't you remember growing up having that desire for significance in your life? Uh, guys, it was usually about sports, right? It was, uh, you, I mean, you, it was usually about something about sports. I can remember many long days outside in Oklahoma shooting baskets. And, and, and I need to explain it to you. Kids, back when I was growing up, there were only four channels on television. And there was no way to record them. You had to watch what was on that station when it was on that station, okay? I know this is blowing your mind, but that was the truth, okay? There were four channels, and you had to watch what was on at that time. That's why we will never have Sunday night church here, because I had this problem growing up, because I always wanted to watch the wonderful world of Disney, and it was on Sunday night, and I had to go to Sunday night church. I still don't know what happened in The Wizard of Oz. It was always on a Sunday night, okay? So, so here's the problem. When I was growing up, we had, no, you know, we had no way to watch television. There was no cartoon network, okay? There was no PlayStation. The only electronic game I had was this little vibrating football game that vibrated the players around until they fell off. So when I was growing up, you had to use your imagination. Say that with me. Imagination. Sure, I knew you could, okay? I had to use my imagination. And so I would go outside. That's the area outside of your house where plants grow and stuff. 
and I would play outside, okay? And, and, and in, my, in my search for significance, what I would do is I would play basketball because I was going to be a basketball, obviously I was going to be a basketball star, right, when I grew up. And so, you know, I remember so many long afternoons, I couldn't find anybody to play with because I was kind of weird. And, and so I would, I, would, uh, I would be out in my driveway shooting baskets and in my own little delusion for significance, I'm the starting point guard for the Enid High School Plainsmen, okay? That, that, they were like Indians, but not quite as cool. And I was the starting point guard and we, we yeah of course in my mind I'm not shooting this basket it's it's five seconds to go in the state championship game and I'm the starting point guard for my high school team and I'm driving down the lane and I head fake and I pump fake and I go up for the shot and it's five four three he shoots he scores the crowd goes wow the great thing was if you missed you just went and started over again right <laughs> Over and over. It didn't matter. I mean, that's, but what is that? That is the search for significance. I want to be significant. And, and for some of us, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it was music for you or to be the homecoming queen or, or whatever, you know, and now it's to be the president of, you know, whatever or to have the nicest home or to be the pastor of the fastest growing church. Or I don't whatever it is that you're looking for, okay? It's still going on. Uh, it, it was uh, Carl Sandburg who wrote, We all want to play Hamlet, right? Which is why it's so cool when we get to see somebody else feel significant who normally wouldn't feel significant. Uh, I'll show you this video. This is a, a football team in, I can't remember, remember what state, I think they're in Georgia, but, but uh, they've got a kid on the team. He's like the equipment manager and a kid that helps them out and he has Down syndrome. And uh, so this game gets so lopsided that they decided, you know what, they tell the other team, hey, let, we're going to give this kid the ball and let's let him score a touchdown. Just watch this, this is really fun. Here's the quarterback. They're going to give it to him, and they're going to run the football, and they're going to come through. They're going to miss him with one tackle. Still on the run around the left-hand side. He's going to be missed with a second man. Now, did he go out of bounds? No, he's still on the field. He's still running down the field, and they're still trying to chase him. Are they going to let him score a touchdown, or are they going to make a stop? As Lake Stevens is still chasing him, they've got a cordon of players around him. They're going to head all the way down into the end zone for a snow homage touchdown by Ike Ditzenberger. 51 yards on the run. Man, I'm, I'm misting up. That is, that is just spectacular. That is absolutely <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> Doesn't that just get you? That's so good. The, 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 thing is, the thing is, while you're watching that, some of you are thinking, you know what? I want to feel that. I, I, don't feel like, I, I don't feel like I deserve to have any significance. I don't feel like anything's ever happened to me. And as a Christian, you might say, well, maybe God made me to love me, but does my life even matter? And again, God's prophets ask the same question. My work all seems useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and no purpose at all. Let me tell you something. The way that you can find significance in this life is by serving God and doing what he asks you to do. And you're going to feel like that kid crossing a gold line when you figure that out. If you don't have any purpose, if you don't have any significance in your life, it'll kill you. World War II, there were some prisoners at a Nazi German concentration camp 
that uh, did a, had, a, had a production plant that, that processed human sewage, and, and it was an awful job, but at least they had a job. And the Allies came and bombed it and blew that up, and so now there was nothing for these Nazi uh, prisoners to, ha- to be able to do. So they made up a job for them to do, and they had a pile of rocks that they would pick up every day, and they would move it over to another place, and they would set it down. And the next day they would pick up that pile of rocks, and they would take it back over to the same place it was the day before. That's what they did every day. Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. And they started literally going crazy. They started killing themselves. They started jumping out in front of guards and acting like they were going to escape because they couldn't take life without purpose. See, most of us live life at, at one of three levels. Okay, the first is survival level. I'm just going to get by to my paycheck. I'm going to get by to retirement, next vacation, whatever that is. The second level is success. That's where I'm going to succeed. I'm going to have a nice house. I'm going to, I'm going to have a nice car. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to you know, make the shot. I'm going to do whatever. And a lot of us in America, to a certain degree, we live in that place. But so many people are at that level, and they're still asking the deeper question. When am I going to feel significant? Significant. Not survival, not success. It's significant. How do you find your significance? You understand how much you matter to God. God said, I'm your creator. You were in my care before you were born. That's how much you matter to God. When your mother was carrying her, carrying you in her womb, God had a plan for you, and he wants to have a significant thing happen in your life. You're not an accident. There are accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. There are no illegitimate children, people, okay? You're like this. I want you to get that, okay? I want you to understand this. Some of you are like, well, you don't know where I came from, Tim. It doesn't matter where you came from. You were mailed down here from God. You have a purpose. Please understand that. You have a purpose. God loves you. You are significant to God. You should feel like that kid running across the goal line because that's the absolute truth. The Bible says this, God, you scheduled every day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. And God has... Long-range plans for you. That's why the next 40 days are important. His plans endure, the Bible says. His purposes last eternally. All the other junk is going to go away. Everything's going to go away except what God plans and what he purposes. And life is preparation for eternity. You know, you, you need to understand this. I want to do this again. I did this when I talked about our money last week. But I, I want to do this one more time, okay? This is your life right now. Here's the problem in Western culture is that we spend all of our time thinking about the 50 or 70 or 90 years or whatever that we live in this little dot. And I used this last week to talk about our treasure and laying up treasures in heaven. How about your purpose? How about significance? Do you understand... Do you understand that your purpose is going to go on for eternity? That you're in preschool right now? That this is like practice A hundred gazillion years from now, you are going to look back on these 40 days and you're going to go, man, I'm really glad I did that. I'm really glad I figured out my purpose because for a hundred gazillion years, I've been doing what God created me to do. It doesn't end in heaven. We're not going to sit up there with harps on a cloud. We're going to continue the purpose that God planted in our mother's womb for us to do. That's why it's so important. 2 Corinthians 5 says, when this tent we live in, our body on earth is torn down, we'll have a house in heaven to live in, a home that he himself has made that will last forever. Which brings us to the third question in life, and that's the question of intention. Intention. What is my purpose? Every time I would ask my kids, what do you want to be when they grow up? They would always say, I don't know, Dad, what do you want to be when you grow up? So I'd quit asking. (laughs) But it's a good question. 
What are you going to be when you grow up? Maybe God made me to love me. Maybe he made me to last forever. But what on earth am I here for? What is my purpose? Bertrand Russell was one of the great philosophers of the 20th century and an atheist. And he said, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of meaning and purpose of life is irrelevant. I mean, at least he's honest. Unless you assume the, the, the purpose, uh, unless you assume the existence of God, there is no purpose. If there is a God, there is a purpose. If there's no God, if you're just educated pond scum, then there really is no purpose, okay? On the other hand, if there's a creator, there can only be one intention for your life. And you know what? Unless you know what the purpose for your life is, you're not going to be able to fulfill it. Unless we know what the purpose for things are, we abuse them. You know why sex is abused in our culture today? because we don't understand the purpose. You know why money is abused in our culture today? It's because we don't understand the purpose. You know why people are abused today? It's because we don't understand their purpose. Am I right? If you understand your purpose, then, then, then you can be fulfilled. Then you can understand it. You can use it properly. We have a new oven at our house. Uh, it's very complicated. I don't know what happened to the days when you just turned a little knob, you know? It's very, very complicated. So the other day, we were trying to cook something. And so I asked the oven, I said, oven, how do you do delay start cooking? Do you know what the oven said? Neither do I. It's a German oven. I don't understand German. (laughs) The oven doesn't know its purpose. It was created. The only way that I'm going to know the purpose for an oven and how it operates is one of two ways. I'm either going to ask the creator or I'm going to read the owner's manual. You're never going to figure out your own purpose because you're an oven, okay? You are a created being. The only way that you are going to understand how you work is to ask the Creator or read the owner's manual. So for the next 40 days, we're going to be reading a lot of Scripture. We're going to be talking a lot to the owner, to the Creator, about what our purpose is all about. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Message paraphrases it this way, Knowing God results in every other kind of of understanding. Listen, first line of the book is it's not about you. If it's not about you, it is about God. So that's the first place that we have to start. If you don't do anything else this week, just realize that there is a God and that he has a plan. Just realize that there is a God. And and, and don't think that you could ever be anything outside of God's plan because he's the creator. You know, don't don't tell your kids they can be whatever they want to be. That's not true. A woman just got back from the National Organization of Women convention and she was all fired up about, you know, about, about, about women's rights and about women being whatever they could be. And believe me, I'm all over that. i got three daughters. I, I, I think that's really, really important. But she was all fired up. She went home and she talked to her little five-year-old girl. She said, honey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the little girl said, I think I want to be a nurse. And it kind of just grated on mom a little bit. She's like, you know what? That'd be great. It'd be great for you to be a nurse. But you don't have to just be a nurse. You could be a doctor if you wanted to. You could be a surgeon. You could be a lawyer. You could be the president of the United States. And the little girl said, really? I can be anything I want. Mom said, yeah, you can be anything you want. And the little girl said, then I'll be a horse. (laughs) No, you won't. You can only be what God created you to be, and he'll give you options. You could be a doctor or a nurse or a surgeon or a president or whatever, a horse trainer, but you're only going to be with a purpose. You're only going to be able to fulfill yourself and find significance and find purpose if you do what the Creator asks you to do. Colossians 1.16 says, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, everything got started in him, and everything finds its purpose in him. 
Ephesians 1. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Understand that. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. The part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. See, our purpose is to be a part of the big purpose. And Christ has figured that out a long time before we ever existed. Remember this phrase, it's all about God. We're going to be doing that for 40 days, trying to figure it out. In my personal reading this week, I just finished reading, side note, Max Lucado's new book, uh, Outlive Your Life, I think it's called. It's on the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. Highly recommend it. I think it's some of Max's best stuff. But I'm reading Acts while I, while I was going along with it in my private time, in my personal Bible study, and I got to Acts 5, and something just jumped out at me. Okay? Peter and John and the, and the apostles and the disciples have been doing healing, and they've been, doing, you know, they've been causing trouble because they're starting the church, you know, and they're preaching, and, and people are coming to the Lord, and people are getting healed, and the church has started. And so the religious leaders are trying to figure out what to do with them. And, and in Acts chapter 5, Gamaliel, who's one of the wise guys in, in the thing, says, hey guys, let's not mess with these guys. Here's what he says. He says, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. And here's why. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if their purpose is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. And you will only find yourself fighting against God. Wouldn't you love to have... you? I mean, I, I do. I, I want to have my purpose lined up with God's purpose so that when people fight against it, they're not fighting against me, they're fighting against God. And if it's my idea, it'll fail. That's where I want to live my life. The only way I'm going to do that is if I figure out what my purpose is. And you're like, okay, what's the 40-day thing all about? I don't know if the 40-day thing is important or not, but, but there's a lot of 40-day things that happen in the Bible, okay? Uh, Noah's life, 40 days of rain. Moses, 40 days of Mount Sinai. The spies who went into the promised land, they were in there for 40 days. David had a 40-day challenge with Goliath. Nineveh was given 40 days to repent, and they did. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert preparing for his ministry. Disciples had 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection. There's a lot of little 40-day things in there. I don't think it's magic, but I think it's significant. 40 days is long enough. It's significant enough. The average person is going to live 25,000 days on this earth. 25,000 days right here. Okay? And then an eternity here. Give us 40 days out of the 25,000. And let's figure this out. We're going to talk about existence. Why do I matter? Intention. Do I matter? Significance. What's my purpose? I want to ask you to commit to a couple of things during the next 40 days. Get in a small group. I've been, I've been talking about it. We have over 300 small groups going on all around the area. That's crazy. That's twice the size that the church was when I got here 20 years ago. We have 300 small groups all over the area that are waiting for you. You can go right outside and sign up. You can get online and sign up. I want to encourage you to do that. The second thing I want you to do is get the book. Okay, Get the book. If you don't have it already, go buy the book. Download it to your Kindle, whatever. Get the Purpose Driven Life book and go through this. It's like 15 minutes a day, one one thing a day for 40 days you read through this and figure out your purpose now the third thing is be here okay be here because you need to hear all of these messages we're going to talk about the next five purposes we got a little break in here we have nick buchek the man who was born without any limbs who's going to be here is a phenomenal testimony in the middle kind of the, the third weekend of october fourth weekend of october but i want you to be here for this okay try to be here for all the messages 
Acts 10.35 says, It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do as He says, the door is open. George Herbert said, It's never too late to be who you might have been. Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking some of you are like, Well, you don't know, man, Tim. I've... I've blown my life. I've gone down the wrong path. I, I, you know, I, I've, already, I've already gone the wrong direction. It's never too late to change. I love the story of Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel was a Swedish chemist who invented dynamite. You may not know this. He invent, invented dynamite. And one day, and became a very rich man. He and his family, he and his brothers invented dynamite. They're the ones that figured it out. One day he wakes up and he reads the paper, and his name is in the obituary. It said, Alfred Nobel, inventor of dynamite, created a way for more people to die in war than ever before. He died a very rich man. Now, the truth of the matter was, it was his brother that had died. But when the, the newspaper had bungled the first name. But when he read his own obituary and he read that, he decided that's not how he wanted to go out. That's not who he wanted to be. And it completely changed his life. And Alfred Nobel is the one who donated the money to start the Nobel Foundation, who gives now the Nobel Peace Prize out every year to people who figure out how to not kill everybody else. It's never too late to be who you were meant to be. The question is, are you going to listen? I mean, once he awakens it, are you going to listen? John Artberg writes about renting a car in, a, in, a, in an area where he wasn't familiar with where he was at. And, uh, you know, when he was renting the car, they said, do you want a GPS system with that? And he said, no, it's going to cost more money. And his wife said, yeah, yeah, we do. We want, we want a GPS. But here's the deal, he writes. You can get the box. You can have the lady in the car, but that doesn't mean you trust her. I think that's appropriate, okay? You can, you can ask God to awaken your heart. You can understand that there is a God, but that doesn't mean that you still trust Him, right? You've you got to do what she says if you want to trust her. You've got to go where she tells you to go. At one point when we were driving in the car, I was quite sure that the lady was wrong. She said to go left, and I didn't go left. I went right because I knew she was wrong. And then there was an interesting response. She said, recalculating route. When safe to do so, execute a U-turn. Orberg said, I knew she was wrong, so I unplugged her. <laughs> That's the beauty of the little box. You can unplug her. I got really lost. My wife enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> so we plugged the lady back in, and do you know what she said? She said, I told you so, you idiot. <laughs> she said, you think I'm going to help you now? You wouldn't listen to me. You're going to have to find your way home by yourself. No, she didn't. She said, recalculating route. When safe to do so, execute a U-turn. Now see, that's grace. As soon as you're ready to listen, as soon as you're ready to surrender, God will say, here's the way home. Execute a U-turn. That's, that's repentance. And I'll bring you home. That's grace. That's Jesus. He's the only one with the wisdom about how to live. He's the only one who brings the possibility for forgiveness for sins. He's the only one who can give any realistic hope of conquering death. We're just going to have to listen to him. Jesus had a mission on this earth. I was reading this this week. It said John 17, 4. He's praying back to God and he's saying, Okay, God, I'm getting ready to go die. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I brought you glory on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. My purpose was to come and to die. And you need to understand something. Your purpose that God gave you may not be easy. It may not be fun. It may not bring you 
instant happiness. But when we're working with God, we have to decide, are we going to follow his purpose or not? And Jesus had to do the same thing in the garden. He said, hey, are you sure this is the purpose you have for me? And God said, yes. And Jesus said, okay, then I'm going to follow your purpose. And he went to the cross and he died so that you and I could be forgiven from our sins. And we could have life forever with him. That whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. We're going to have communion now. This is a good opportunity for you to awaken your heart, to open up your heart, and to let God come in and speak to you and show you that He loves you, that He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for uh, coming to the earth and fulfilling Your purpose. More than anything, I want to get to the end of my life and be able to pray that prayer from John 17, 4. I have completed the work you gave me to do, Father. I doubt if I'll be able to say it with authority because up to this point in my life, I've done some of it and I haven't done some of it. And I know that. But I'm thankful that when I get to that point in my life, whether I did it or not, it doesn't really matter because... I'm not going to be saved because I followed you. I'm not going to be saved because I gave my money. I'm not going to be saved because I did more good things than I did bad things. I'm saved because you died for me on the cross and you fulfilled your purpose. Lord, there are people in this room who've been far away from you for a long time. They've had the box unplugged. I pray that you'll help them to plug it in right now and hear the still small voice of God saying, recalculating route, when safe to do so, execute a U-turn. Some people in this room maybe never even opened up their heart to you in the first place. They've never even, never even accepted you. I pray that you'll just help them to, to open up to you and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't lived my life like I should. And I need your forgiveness. And I need your grace. And I'm going to follow you. All of us in this room know that we haven't been doing all the things that we knew we should. And during this time of reflection, it gives us the opportunity just to realign ourselves with you, just to recalculate our route, execute a U-turn, and head back the direction we're supposed to be. And as we take these emblems of your death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus, we remember the great cost that our forgiveness was to you. And we say thank you. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.